Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We've been looking here in uh, Hebrews on Sunday nights. I really intended, thought I was going to do this last Sunday night. I assumed pastor was going to ask me to uh, minister last Sunday night, but I guess he didn't because they were going to be out of town this week. But um, we are reading here in uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And we'll just start in verse 1. And we'll, we'll get down to what um, the Lord laid on my heart to, to emphasize tonight. It says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I, that uh, I, I mentioned the Cotton Patch translation of that. Faith is betting your life on the unseen realities of God. You know, it's that determination that's required. It's that kind of determination that's required. If you want to see all of who he is, if you want to experience who God really is and have a full, uh, uh, a robust life with him, yeah, you, have to, you have to bet your life on the unseen realities. They're, they're really, we can't play this half in, half out thing. Because it doesn't work that way. God's an all-in God. We've got to be an all-in people. Amen? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death when he was not found because God had taken him. For before before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He had this testimony that he pleased God. I know I come back to this often. That's the testimony that we all want to have. That is the testimony. Our testimony. Thank God for testimony of all that God's done for us. But when we stand before, before him, the testimony we want to have is that we pleased him. Not that we had this, had that, did that, did that. We, we, we want the testimony that we please God. And it says of, uh, of, of Enoch that he was taken. God had taken him before, but because, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith... It is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's not a rewarder of of those who don't seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's always a rewarder, but the difference is on our seeking. He is a rewarder, but it's only of those who diligently seek him. So, you know, we, we, we've got to make a determination in our life. What kind of people are we going to be? Who are we going to be? How are we going to live our lives? What are we going to prioritize? What's going to be important to us? Amen. And anytime, like I said, that we're talking about certain things, there's grace to step into these areas. You know, there's a grace right now to reprioritize your life. There's a grace right now. I believe this is another, another uh, a good opportunity in this year as we see all this stuff going on is to really come back, settle back on who we really are and what we really value and, and where our allegiance lies and where our trust lies. Where, who, what has our affection? Who has our affection? Amen. And in this, you know, we've, there's been a lot of talk about the things that God's wanting to do and a lot of talk about, uh, 
uh, the things that God desires to do. Well, there's grace here to step into these things and, and to have it. I believe this year will be monumental for the church. It's a reset for us. And I don't know about you, but it's going to be a reset for me, a further resetting, a further laying aside of other things and picking up the right things and going uh, more in the right direction. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he, would, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, on a Sunday night, I talked about this and we were, we were looking at these scriptures and um, uh, thank God for, for, uh, for times to come together and learn and to grow. And, uh, but last week, like I said, I fully intended to, um, to come back to this and, and had some other things in my heart. We were talking about Enoch uh, on one of the one of the times there during a portion of that a couple weeks ago. By faith, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had given or taken him. Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We were talking about the fact that Enoch uh, came to a place in his life where he just wasn't satisfied with the way it was going. He didn't just want to be like everybody else. And... Um, uh, he was dissatisfied. You know, there's a, there's a part of our life that we need to be satisfied. You know, there's a part of dissatisfaction that's bad. Paul said, Lord, Paul said, you know, I've learned to be, I've learned to be settled and content in everything. And so in, in natural things, we ought to be learned. We ought to learn to be content, you know, being unsettled and, and unsatisfied and always looking for something else can, can actually, can actually get us into trouble. Right. Can actually get us in, into the, into the wrong things and get our, our attention off where it needs to be. But when it comes to spiritual things, we ought to never be satisfied. We ought to never be okay with where we're at or what we've seen or what we've known. We should never be okay with it. And there, there is a holy, a righteous uh, stirring that, that I believe the Lord wants to, to, to bring to the church uh, of, an, of a dissatisfaction for what we've seen and what we've known, what we've experienced. And that dissatisfaction is what brought Enoch to the place he was. That's the only reason, let's say it this way, this is the thing that started Enoch down the path that caused him to be listed here in Hebrews chapter 11, is he wasn't satisfied. Wasn't satisfied with what, what everybody else was saying. Wasn't satisfied with the stories he heard. Wasn't satisfied with any of that stuff. He wanted his own encounter. He wanted his own walk with God. He didn't want him just to be his stories. He wanted him to be his story. He didn't want it to be somebody else's, their accounts. He wanted it to be his account. He didn't want it just to be uh, uh, Adam and Eve. They were still alive. He didn't want it to be Adam and Eve's uh, memories. He wanted it to be his own reality. That's what he wanted. And, you know, he wasn't born again. He wasn't saved. He didn't have a relationship that we have. He didn't have access the way we do. And yet he still got the very thing he was after. There's something about a hungry heart that God will do whatever it takes. God will do whatever it takes to meet you when you're hungry. He will do whatever it takes when we're hungry. God knows no boundaries. There's nothing impossible other than he can't lie and he can't go back on his word. But when it comes to meeting us, there are no boundaries. There are none. Zero limitations on what God can do. And in fact, what he wants to do. And I believe what he will do. The Bible says in the ages to come, whoo, ages to come, 
He is going to show us things and be things and, and take us places and, and it's going to blow our minds. It's going to be amazing. Well, he wants that to start now. Well, how does that happen? It happens with us being hungry. And so talking about Enoch, you know, Enoch was raised in a time where darkness was, was really growing on the earth and, and uh, not very far uh, away from, from actually having to, uh, uh, God had to erase the, or, or remove the human race except for Noah and his family. So you can see things were quickly headed in the wrong direction. Even in the midst of that, Enoch had a desire to have an encounter with God. He had a desire to know him personally. And uh, we were talking about the fact, uh, you know, that the, the time came, I'm sure, that Enoch had heard all these stories and different things that um, others had heard. And uh, where others just heard stories, Enoch heard an opportunity. And so he started, he started saying, you know, I, I want this. And so he began to respond to God by faith. This is the hall of faith. This is the uh, uh, list of great men and women of faith who've done things. It said, by faith, Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken away. By faith, uh, he pleased God. By faith, he did these things because even though he didn't see it for himself, personally hadn't experienced it, he had faith that God would respond to him. And so Enoch went out, and I, and I believe, you know, I wasn't there, obviously. Uh, but I believe eventually Enoch had to come to the place where he was tired of hearing the stories. And he just went out by himself one day and said, you know what? Uh, I've heard all this stuff that's happened. I've heard all these stories, and, and those things are great. And because he, he believed something about God. He believed that God was and that God was a rewarder. Those were key, that he was, that he was real. It wasn't just something back then, but he was still around. And that if he would respond to Adam and Eve, he probably knew Adam and Eve's frailty. Everybody heard the stories of Adam and Eve walking in the garden. They also heard the stories of Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden. Right? They knew the good side. They also knew the other side. Enoch knew all the things. He knew about them walking in the cool of the day. He heard the stories about God coming down and visiting with them and spending time with them and, and just the wonderful times they had to get. They, he heard that, but he also heard about the fruit. He still heard about, they, I'm sure he knew all about the tree. They knew all about those things. Despite our frailty, despite, despite, the, despite where we've missed it, the invitation is still there. Despite our shortcomings, Enoch had his own. Surely he had his own shortcomings. But despite all those things, he still had an open door. He still had an opportunity. He believed God was. And despite all of those things that God was a rewarder, he believed that. And so we don't know how this worked, but we do know that for 300 years, he walked with God. He had uh, Methuselah when he was 65 years old. And for 300 years after that, he, he walked with the Lord. And, and like I said, we don't know the direct uh, details of how it happened, but but I think it's safe to assume because we know how our, our relationship is that when no one else was experiencing God, he went out and found himself probably a quiet place and said, you know, I believe God's here. And I believe, you know, the scripture we read this in, in, in uh, Hebrews eleven six that I think the Amplified says that he cares enough to respond, that God cares enough to respond. And he believed, you know, God is and believed that God would care enough to respond to him. So he went out and started talking to him. And, uh, and I'm sure at first he didn't feel anything, didn't sense anything, but he believed that God was, and God cared enough to respond to, to respond. This is over 300 years. How quickly did this start happening? I have no idea. We have no idea at what point he actually started to sense the presence of God. It might've been right away. It might've been quite a while. 
Because, you know, we all have, we all have things that try to get in the way and interfere with that. Anybody else ever deal with distractions? Anybody else ever have your mind wants to take off and run? Anybody have other things, circumstances, kids, family, jobs, things that are, that are after your attention? Enoch had all of these things going on. I mean, he's 65 years old. He just had a baby. He was distracted, right? I mean, you know, I think about that. That's terrifying, and, and that is awful. I mean, he's just had a kid, and, and you know, uh, he had a lot of things going on. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure he probably didn't, didn't hear things right away or didn't sense the presence of God right, right away. But over time, just his faithful staying after it and pursuing God, at some point uh, he began to recognize the presence of God. And it was probably uh, small and probably uh, minor. I say minor. Anytime the presence of God is always good. But probably not just uh, a, an over-the-top moment, but it was probably something small that he recognized it. Instead of being satisfied, he saw that as, see, I, I knew it. God is, and he's a rewarder. I believe that God still is, and he's a bigger rewarder. See, a rewarder is not just something that happens one, a one time. That's a reward. A rewarder does it all the time. Right? Someone who gives a reward gives it one time, and then it's done. A rewarder just keeps shoveling it out, keeps handing it out. And when he began to experience the presence of God, he was rewarded for his faith, but he realized God is a rewarder, a reward. reward that's it. He was a reward-er, right? It's, he, he realized, he believed that was a part of his character. That was a part of the DNA of God, of his personality. That it was in him to show up. It was in him to respond. It was, it was who God was to respond. It was out of God's character to not respond. He, he believed he was a rewarder or a responder, not a withholder. He believed that about him. How many know he is still a rewarder today? He is still a responder today. These things are written and written down for our benefit, not so that we can appreciate the story of Enoch, so that we can desire and develop a taste of our own and realize how he did it. He did it because he believed God was and he was a rewarder and to encourage our faith and to cause us to count God the same and believe that God is and that he's a rewarder. It's an invitation for more. It's an invitation for more, and anytime there's an invitation for more, there's grace to walk in it. There's grace to have those things. There's grace to experience those things. So like you said, uh, uh, you know, we, we were, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and, and um, I felt directed by the Lord. Like I said, I thought I was going to do this last week, so I'm not just doing it because pastor's not here. But um, uh, I felt directed to, to give some examples of some things uh, to help stir our faith in some areas. Because, you know, when, wh- why do we have examples? Like if you're going down the road and you're driving down the interstate and you see signs for Chick-fil-A. Why do they put the signs up? Why is there a sign? Why do they have them Chick-fil-A sign up, unfortunately closed on Sunday? They put that on there so you're not mad when you still show up on a Sunday. You ever done that before? You're traveling. Every year when we do the winter, we do winter treat, we're driving back, you know, on Sunday. And every single time I'm thinking, where's the Chick-fil-A? Where's the Chick-fil-A? Oh, it's Sunday. And I get so annoyed. But I'm glad they do it because it gives their employees an opportunity to go to church, right? And that's why God blesses them. Friday night, Amy and I are out at 9 o'clock at night, and there's still a line all the way around the parking lot. It pays to serve God. It pays to prioritize what God prioritizes. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't need to make any sense. It makes sense with him. 
I tell you what, you obey God, God's going to bless you. I guarantee you, Mr. Katie at, at Chick-fil-A knew ex- he did it on purpose and he didn't just do it, just he did it expecting God to respond because what's happening there, it's not an advertisement for Chick-fil-A, but I will say is what's happening there doesn't make sense. McDonald's is open 24-7 just about, and I never see lines like that, Right? There's grace there because there's an, I guarantee there's an expectation on his part. I'm going to do this for God and I'm going to expect him to respond. Ooh, I'm going to expect him to respond to me. He cares enough to respond and he's responded. But why do they have the signs up beside the room? Why, why are they there? Why are they there? To remind you that time you had that Chick-fil-A sandwich. I remember back in 1974, my first Chick-fil-A. no. I remember when I had chick the I just remember, no, it, what, why is it there? Not to stir up a memory for nostalgia's sake, but stir up a memory for your stomach's sake, right? You see the sign, you see, and, and of course, they're always great pictures, you know, and they do them just perfect. They probably got Patrick taking all of them, you know, and they look just great. And, and I tell you, and it's at the perfect angle. It's at the, the appetite angle and, and all of that stuff, you know, and, and uh, well, they have it there. Why? To stir hunger in you. I don't know about you, but I've been driving before and I'm not, I'm just like, we take trips. We go, we're going to Virginia or going somewhere and we're driving and I do most of the driving in our house just because I like to drive. So I'm not even, a lot of times I'm not even thinking about eating, but I see a sign. Suddenly I'm like, you know, now would be a good time to start or to stop rather and get some food where I didn't sense hunger before something that I saw caused me to think about something I've experienced before. And it stirred a hunger in me for now, right? And it'll cause me to get on. It'll cause me to, to cause me to tell my wife to get on the phone and, uh, and find the nearest Chick-fil-A and how do we get to it and law and put it in the, in the, in the GPS, right? Have Google take us. So why? Because now I've got something I'm looking for. I've got, I've got a target, something that I'm going to aim for. Right. And I've got help to get there on the signs. There's even directions on how to get there. They, you notice they don't just put a billboard up and just a picture, eat at Chick-fil-A. It's always exit nine, whatever. Exit three, whatever. In the name of Jesus, there will be an exit 399. <laughs> right? I declare it in Jesus' name. And a Krispy Kreme, by God. It'll be there. Amen. Hey, he's going to be in heaven, y'all. And you need as many as you want, and it's just fine. So, But there's always a location, right? What is it? It's, it's directions on how to get there. There's a piece of information that you need, not just to have hunger, but know how to get there. God is, God is not a fool. He knows how to advertise better than anybody else. And anytime there is an, uh, there is a, an example or an illustration or a, a sign, so to speak, that God would put up in it, it's there to cause hunger in our hearts. Yes, but it's also there with a roadmap on how to get there. That's why we have Hebrews chapter 11. That's why this is here. This is why it tells us what happened with Enoch, and it tells us how it happened. He believed he was. I believe he was rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And notice it says it, he, he, he believed that God was. He was a rewarder of those. Enoch knew this for Enoch. But God is telling it, it, telling us it's also for us. 
Enoch believed God was a rewarder and a rewarder for him. God is letting us know he is a rewarder and he's, he's rewarding to all, to all of us, right? But you got to see it for you. You got to see that it's available to you. Yeah, but I've got a lot of problems. Welcome to the club. It's available to you, right? Enoch had issues. It was available to him. There was one perfect man, Jesus. The rest were not. Well, my, my, my issues, you don't know anything about his issue. And really the, the, the issue is not issues. The bigger st- story is the grace of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. And really that's where our attention needs to be on. And with everything that's going on, everything that we've done or has happened in our lives, the mercy and grace of God is what we need because it's available to us. And so, you know, like I said, the Lord brought me back to this and, and, I believe he, he put it on my heart to talk about some examples of some things that, um, that I've experienced in my life. And, and you know, when we talk about experiences, you know, we, we want to be careful that we don't make uh, our Christian walk all about experiences. Yet at the same time, we don't want to have a Christian walk that is lacking in experience. Right? And when we, we don't want to, we, we don't have a dead faith. We're, we're, we're not like other religions where we believe in, we believe in a, it's a dead faith. There's no life to it. There's life to this. There's life in what we believe. There, there is, there's power in what we believe. There's reality behind what we believe. I mean, it, it's real. In anything that's real, we ought to encounter it. But I will say this. We don't worship the encounter. We worship the giver of the encounter. Right, Our attention is on him. We're seeking him, but expecting him to show up. Enoch believed that God was and that he was a rewarder. He was seeking God and he believed God would reward him for seeking him. So I want to give some examples of some things to, to stir our faith a little bit. Because we're, walking, we're coming into a day, I believe, where God wants to do more. There's things he's wanting to do. Can anybody else sense that there are things that God is wanting to do? And I know some people might say, oh, you know, you're all church. You're always talking about this stuff and always wanting to do all this. And always, God wants to partner with us in some things. God does not want to be a silent partner in the church. God doesn't want us. God didn't want Jesus to save the human race. And then that's it until we get to heaven. That's not the way he wanted it to work. He, he wants to partner with us. He wants to, he still wants to, fel- his, his plan is still to fellowship with us for us to experience him and him to experience us. So like I said, uh, uh, Lord put on my heart to give some examples of some things. Like I said, we're not trying to, um, to, to magnify examples. We're also not trying to manufacture anything. You know, I, I'm saying this because it's important to know that we cannot manipulate the spirit of God. Whatever God desires to do has got to be, he, he, he's got, we, he has to be behind it and we can't make him do anything, right? But we should still expect him to be himself. We should be open to whatever he wants to do and respond to him and go after him, seek after him, seek his face, seek him, but then let him do the things that he wants to do. You know, I was thinking about this today, Brother Hagin had given an example back in the healing revival. There was a young minister that, um, he said was, was highly gifted, very, very anointed. God used him uh, um, in, in mighty ways. I believe he said he was, he was operating in the prophetic office. And, and uh, you know, there's danger in, in taking things to a place we ought not take him. This young man began to 
make the manifestations, his ministry and his focus and not God. And he began to try to put things on display and he basically started putting on a show. And, um, you know, like I said before, we can't manipulate God. We can't, we can't force him to do things. Because this young man did this, and Brother Hagin tried to talk to him about it, and he didn't want to hear it, and he eventually ended up dying early because he began to follow the manifestation and not the giver of the manifestation, right? Began to, to perform versus to, to go after God. So we don't want to do that. So I just say that so we make sure we're, we're not trying to manipulate God. But at the same point, you know, the things that God has done before, he still wants to do again. And when God moves in our life, it's not a one-time thing. It's something he wants to do another time. He wants, he wants to do it again. He wants to do this more. I know Brother Hagin uh, also used to talk about, he would, he would talk about, and many of you had heard this back before when, his, uh, when he was alive, he had talked about the Lord appearing to him and uh, putting his hands in his hands and, and transferring the teaching anointing to him. And anytime Brother Hagin would talk about it, his hands would begin to burn. He said his hands would begin to burn. He could sense that presence in his hands again. And, um, and he mentioned that often. And, and uh, another reason why we bring these things up is to, to stir up those things. And, and, and it, 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 it increases our awareness of what God has done and what he wants to do. And um, so like I said, I want to talk about a few things. And I want to give some examples and, and uh, three different examples uh, of some things that happen in, in my life that, that has gone on. And these are uh, things that happen in, in a corporate setting, not in a personal setting. I will say this, you know, our personal lives and our corporate lives, our church life are different. And it's not that God can't do one thing where he can do another. God can do anything whenever he wants. But I will say this, you know, uh, uh, in your personal life, you can have rich fellowship with God. And in our corporate settings, we can have rich fellowship with God. God can show up in your personal prayer time. God can show up in our public worship and prayer time, right? But there is a difference whenever we are together, things are different because when you're by yourself, it's just you. And when you're with others, other people factor into it. Go over to uh, Mark, the fourth chapter, Mark chapter four. We'll get to these in just a second. Mark, the fourth chapter. Is this all right tonight? Mark, the fourth chapter. And, um, And, and this is important because it, it should show us our responsibility towards one another. And, our, and our, our, the fact that we, when it comes to our times together in a corporate setting, in a corporate place that we have, and that, that, that we're aware that we're, we're tied to each other, that how we do things is we're connected. And so um, this is the, the, the parable of the sower in Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 1. Uh, he began to teach by the sea in a great multitude was gathered to him. So a great number of people showed up. This wasn't just the 12 and a few of their friends. This was a multitude is a lot. I don't know how many it is. It's just a bunch of people, right? It's way more than we have here tonight. A multitude is, is an uncountable number of people. And so he was, he began to teach and a great multitude gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them things by parables and then he went on to give the parable of the sower. And he talked about the, the sower went and sowed. And, and he t- gave the parable. We won't go into all that for time's sake. And then the 13th verse, uh, Jesus answered and said to them, How we not understand this parable? How, how do you not understand? Or do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? And he went on to explain the parable. And so you've got him giving a parable, a story, an illustration he was giving. And then he, 
And then in the 13th verse there, he ended up giving the, the meaning behind it, what he meant, the spiritual connotation, what he was referring to. But there are some scriptures here between 10, 10 11, and 12 that, that, that mark the difference between the multitude that showed up in verse 1 and the ones who were there on verse 13. The multitude who showed up on verse 1 did not hear verse 13. Let's look at verse 10. But when he was alone... This is after he'd given the parable. Well, verse 9, we'll start there. He said to them, this is to the whole multitude. He's not leaving anybody out. He says, uh, he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. So those that were with him, with the 12, asked him about the parable. Now, we don't know how many people it was. It was Jesus, the 12, and some other folks. But we do know that it wasn't the multitude. Can you see that? He was very specific to talk about the crowd, and now this is a few. He was, con- he was con- con- considering this as being alone in comparison to the multitude that was with him before. So this was a small number of people. He said to, he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing... Seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And so he's giving them this parable, but the difference between this, between the ones who understood it and the ones who, it was given to all, not everybody got it. Some just thought it was a story, others just a good story or just something they didn't know what Jesus was talking about. These folks wanted to know what the, pur- what the purpose was behind it. Listen, we've all been given an opportunity in all the things of God. We all have equal access. Whether or not we understand, perceive, recognize, experience these things is not up to God. He's made them available. It's up to us. I said it's up to us. More specifically, it's up to you. It's up to me. And the minute we don't want to stick around is the minute that we don't get more. This few, he was considered, considered to be alone. They stuck around. They wanted to know the pur- purpose of the, of, the, of the parable. Notice all of those who were just interested in what was going on or the curiosity seekers or those who just saw a crowd. You ever see a crowd gather and you just show up too? There's a crowd. What's going on? Something's got to be going on. Is that just me? No? Okay. All right. I know Laura does that. She's shaking her head. See a crowd of people. I'm sure there were people. There were a bunch of people that knew it was Jesus. This is Jesus of Nazareth. He does he does great things. There was also a bunch of people there that just. Where's the crowd? What's going on? Is it a fight? I mean, they didn't know what it was. You know, let's get our let's get our you know our two thousand year old cell phones out and film it. I don't know. No, they want to know what was going on. The answer didn't come until those people left. There had to be a group of people that were there. There had to be a group of people that. It could have been the entire multitude. Do you realize that? It could have been the entire multitude. It wasn't because they weren't interested. The point is this. We're tied to one another. And God is so patient. God is so loving. God is so kind. He's willing and is patient with us until we can get more people on board. But our goal should be to try, to try to draw more people into the few and out to the multitude, but into the, into the group of people who want to know, want to understand, want to experience, want to interact with them. But we've got to develop that in ourselves. We, we've got to be those kind of people. And these stories, these examples are ones that are given to get our interest up, 
Why? Because God is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If he did it for them, he'd do it for me. If he did it for somebody else, he'd do it for me. And so like I said, I wanted to, to give just a few examples and, and some things that have happened. And, and this is, this is um, uh, some encounters I've had with the Lord. Like I said, I believe the Lord asked me and laid it on my heart to talk about this specifically because he's wanting us to, to step up into some things. And in all of these examples, the people I, were, I was with, we were all in the same boat. We were of the number of, we were, we were like the crowd of the few, maybe not few in numbers, but we were a, a, a group that that was our intention. We were here for a purpose. The 12 and those with them were there to hear what the answer was. Well, we were there for the same purpose and so God showed up. So the whole point is, like, so we want more people to be on, on, on the same team and have the same goal, right? So like I said, there were, there were three different things. And I've talked about these before and like I said, I felt like I needed to, to share these. Uh, three different encounters that I had with God, because this is, this is uh, I want it to, to, to like, it, like a Chick-fil-A sign, water our appetite a little bit. So back in uh, 2000s, 1988, 1998 to 2000, you know, I was at Ramah, and uh, Amy, not just me, Amy was there too. You were there, right? Yeah, she was. And so we were both there, and uh, enjoying school, and um, I, 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 when I went, you know, it was real, real clear the Lord dealt with me about making sure that I, that not only did I go to prayer, to, to school, to Bible school, but also made my, made a point to be there for prayer and healing school. And so every afternoon after class, we would go home. Amy and I thankfully lived right across the street so we could just walk and, uh, we'd go eat something, usually some Raymond noodles or something wonderful like that. But anyway, you know, we got real good at making hot dogs and all kinds of crazy stuff that I still don't want to eat today. But anyway, thank God he was faithful and saw us through, right? Um, but after we'd come back, we'd have uh, prayer school and we would be there. Well, this particular day, you know, Oklahoma storms are bad. And this is a particular day. I forget what time of year it was. It was probably the springtime. I'm assuming I don't really remember the time. Um, I can remember a lot of it vividly, but I don't remember the time exactly what it was, but springtime and, and, uh, it had to have been cooler, uh, the cooler months, because, you know, if you've ever been to Oklahoma before Oklahoma in the summer is, is I think you have to go through the Oklahoma in the summer to get to hell. Um, because it is just about that hot, right? And uh, I remember Amy, you know, we were out there, she had cassette tapes back in the day of cassette tapes. They actually melted in her car. It was so hot. Yeah. So it, it can be, it's like an oven that's on. It's, it's not pleasant in the summer. So had to have been the spring because uh, a big storm had rolled through and uh, we had lost power. All of Broken Arrow was without power. Raymond was out power. We lived right across the street. We had no power. And, um, so, you know, I wasn't sure are they going to have, are they going to have prayer school? Are we not going to have prayer school? I don't know. Cause I know, you know, Jim Hockaday, he was leading prayer school at the time. I know he's going to be there. He's still on campus. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I'll just go find out. So I went and showed up and, uh, we had no power in, in the, in, in, in the, in the room where we met. So it opened the doors to the back of the room so we could have some light that would come in, but it was in the middle of, of the building. And so, um, the temperature wasn't too hot. So anyway, we came in. There was probably just a handful of us that showed up. When I say handful, I would say maybe a hundred. I mean, maybe a hundred. I don't know. Uh, we generally had a lot more that would show up every single week and, and or every day. And so this day, you know, there was maybe a hundred of us that were there, had no power, no music. And uh, we were there and Jim was there. And so we just said, well, you know, we're here. Let's just spend some time just seeking God, just worshiping God. Didn't have an agenda. But we were there because we believed that God was and that he would show up if we showed up. You know, we could easily have just left. And, and a lot of people probably didn't come back because they figured we weren't having whatever. And I don't, you know, that's their business. I don't know. But those of us who did show up, well, we're here. Let's do this. 
We're, we're here. Let's take advantage of this. And so we went in and just started praising God. I was in the middle section. He had three different sections. Now, the room was really wide. You know, it was a rectangular shape. It wasn't shaped like this, like a pizza. It was more rectangle, you know, with a long uh, uh, minute, you know, platform area uh, up front, really small, but long. And I was in the middle section. I was right back, probably where Josh Aiken is, or, or maybe Lori sitting there and, uh, yeah, Josh waved. Hey, Josh. And, um, so I was sitting there and we just began to just praise God and, and just worship God. You know, there's certain things at certain times in your life where you come into, and in, you come into the presence of God or God moves in such a way. It just changes you. It just marks you. And like I said, I'm giving examples because I want, I want to, I want to stir up your hunger a little bit for what's possible. This whole group that showed up, we were all with one heart, one purpose. That was our reason for being there. It was just to magnify God. I was not going in to expect what happened to happen. I really just went in just to minister to the Lord, and I knew that God would show. We did it with the understanding that God would honor that. He would meet with us, and it's going to be good regardless of what it is we were looking forward to. So we began to worship God and and uh, begin to praise and, and worship him and just sing and pray in the spirit. It was awesome. Well, it was the first time that I can, that I ever remember. It probably, probably was the first time that I was in a service in a, in a group setting where the Lord Jesus himself walked in the room. You might think, well, how do you know it's him? Did you see him? I did not see him. I did not see him with my natural eyes. I didn't see him sporting sandals or a white robe. I didn't see any of that. But you know, when he walked in the room, I knew Someone had walked in the room, and it wasn't Jim Hockaday. It wasn't, I knew it was somebody very different, and I knew right where he was in, in the moment, because we had been worshiping him, I knew it was Jesus. Jesus walked in the room with us. Now, we know the Bible says that when two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. And, and, and uh, now, that scripture means the Spirit of God is with, with, is, is with us. He is with us. By the way, the Holy Ghost is not an it. Right? The Holy Spirit is a, it, it, he is referred to as a he. He's an individual. He's not a person, but he is an individual. He is definitely not an it, and he's not a feeling. He's not a, he's not a thing. He is an individual. I say that because it's important. We need, we need to honor him and respect him. Do you like being called an it? No, nobody likes that. You're a he, you're a she, that's who you are, Right? And you're nothing else. You're not a he or you're a he or she. And there's not a third option in case you're wondering. That's what you are. Despite what others might say, you're a he or a she. But anyway, right along. He, the Bible refers to he, the whole John chapter 14. He, when he, the spirit of truth has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he's a he, right? Well, when, when, when we know the scripture says we're two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. Of course, it's talking about the prayer of agreement specifically, the prayer of agreement that Jesus, yes, does agree with us. But there's also another truth attached to it, that the presence of God is with us. When we're here, two or three are gathered together, like we are tonight, he is in the presence with, and with us. Well, that's not specifically speaking of Jesus himself. It's the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is here. And that is just as good. Because it's still part of the Godhead. It's still Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit. So when we're together, he's there. I'm giving you examples that were a little different. Because it's to stir us up. He will always show up when we have the right heart. He, the Holy Spirit, will always show up when we're gathered together for the right purpose. But remember, go go back to what I said earlier. We've got to have the same heart. We've got to show up with the same intention and all be on the same page, right? Right? And God is patient 
and merciful. He wants everybody to get into it, get in on it. And so we, we, we need to be moving in that direction. And, you know, we can change the atmosphere. We can set the stage for these things to happen. Those of us who understand some things, we can, we can push on and help those who don't understand. We can help them. But this particular time, Jesus walked in the room. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't specifically see uh, him, you know, what, like an open vision. I didn't see him, but I definitely recognized that that's Jesus. And, and, and then uh, uh, Brother Jim had said, Jesus is here. And it was interesting. He was standing in the front of the room. I'm sitting back where Josh is. And Jesus was standing not in the aisle, but just slightly off to the aisle. Basically, he was standing in the front of the room. He was standing right here. And I knew exactly where he was. Because it wasn't just the, the Holy Spirit was in the room. Jesus had walked in, and he was in one place. And um, so Jim said, you know, the Holy Spirit, or Jesus is here. And, and uh, Jesus came for a particular purpose that morning or that afternoon. We had, we had come to, to worship him. I tell you, the presence of God was great. The Spirit of God was, was Holy Spirit's presence was amazing, was just so sweet. And it's one of those times where nobody wanted to move. Well, when this occurred, I definitely didn't want to move. And uh, Jesus came in, he stood there, and he told, uh, uh, Brother Jim said he, he actually wants to minister to a couple people, so he called two people out and had them come stand. He said he wants you to come stand right where he's standing. And so those two people came down and stood right where Jesus was standing. As soon as they got there, they fell out on the power of God, and it was awesome. Like I said, moments like that will change you. And, you know, I, I've often thought, why did I get up and run down there? Afterward, I was like, kind of like kicking myself a little bit. I should have run down there. But I'd be honest with you, in the moment, I didn't want to move. I didn't want to do anything uh, inappropriate. I wanted to just be as respectful. And, and that's the right thing to do, right? But I've often thought, what if I just jog down there? Anyway, I didn't. So, so anyway, he was, he, the Lord ministered to those people. And, the, and then he just left. That was it. But, you know, that encounter, that experience changed me. It opened, my, it opened me up to, to the fact that God wants to do some things. He wants to be that real in my life. If I know when somebody else that I love walks in the room, he wants me to know when he walks in the room. And the reality is he wants to walk in the room with us. The Holy Spirit wants to come and fellowship with us. The Holy Spirit wants to show up when we're gathered. He wants to be here. He doesn't just want to be here in, 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 in principle because we're gathered together and he's here. He wants to be with us in, in, in demonstration. He wants to be with us in, in being himself. He wants to be there and be comfortable and be himself. Well, there are times when the Lord Jesus wants that as well. That, that moment changed my life. And really just, just I tell you, it just really just, just blessed me tremendously. Time, you know, we were done and... and Nobody wanted to leave, and I was late for work at this point, and, and, and was like, well, they'll ha- well, we'll get it figured out. You know, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be right here. This is where I want to be. It changed my life. Then a few years later, we were back here. You know, we went to, to Jacksonville after, after Rama. We were there for three years and three and a half years, and then we uh, came back here, and um, I'm sure Steve probably remembers this. We were in the youth room one night, and uh, it was probably, I'm guessing, maybe 2000. 7, 2008, I'm guessing somewhere in there, because you were back at this point, and we we're in the youth room, we had a, a practice, I don't know what nights we used to practice, um, um, but we used to have actual band practice for the youth band, now they used to do it on Wednesdays, and so we had band practice, and so I showed up, and I was just kind of hanging out with them, we'd finished practice, and we were just, st- stayed a little while, just to minister to the Lord, just to worship, we didn't have an agenda, we were just there just to love on the Lord some, and I remember exactly where I was sitting, I was sitting on the pool table, nobody else can do that but me, and so I was sitting on the pool table, and uh, we're just sitting there just, just worshiping God, and it was just great, the presence of God, you know, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He was there, just a sweet presence of God. It was awesome. Well, 
when the Holy Spirit is there, it's wonderful. When Jesus walks in the room, things change a little bit. And so we're sitting there, and somebody walked in the room. Once again, I knew somebody walked in a turn, and Jesus once again walked in the room. Now, I didn't see him with my natural eyes, but I recognized he walked in. He stood right down the front where we were, where we were standing. He didn't call out anybody to minister to. He just came to hang out with us, just came to spend some time with us. And so he was there for a few minutes, and it was wonderful. And then, then he left, and we kind of were like, wow, that was, you remember that night? I mean, it was awesome. We didn't want to leave. We'll stay here a little longer. Come on back. You know, we're, we're, we'll, we'll be here as long as you want us to be. We, we, we just enjoyed the presence of God for a little while after that. And, and it's another moment that in my life, personally, it marked me. Spending time in the things of God, in the presence of God, will change you. And it develops, you develop a taste for some things. I'm talking about corporately. and your personal life, you can have, God, God will meet you in all kinds of different ways. But corporately, there are things we have to do. If we're going to have those things, we've got to set the stage and be aware of what he wants to do and desire him to do it, recognize that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And however he wants to do it, whatever he wants to do, I want it because you're a rewarder. I want you, right? And so then the, the third example I'll give on Winter Retreat 2015. Now, Winter Retreat 2015, this is another instance where Jesus walked in the room like I said, the, the Lord put this on my heart to, minute, to talk about this, to stir us up on, on some things, to expect more than what we've seen. We can't manipulate God into doing anything. But if we never see the sign and it never stirs hunger in us, we'll never bother to get off the road to see what's there, right? We'll just keep right on driving. We can keep having church and, and still be good, but we, can, we might miss out on other things that he wants to do. Winter Retreat 2015 was our first service we had, a winter retreat. We were in uh, uh, Snowshoe, West Virginia. Who was there? You remember that? Uh, we had several that were there that night. And um, I'll be honest with you, uh, of, of, of all the different, th- that night was not an easy night for me. I remember in getting ready for a winter retreat, like, you know, the Lord gives me things to talk about. This is what we're going to be talking, ministering on. Th- that year in specific, the what he put on my heart, I was like, Lord, do we have to do that? Can we do anything other than that? And if you were there, if you weren't, I'll just tell you, it was not an easy message. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a tough message, not tough to deliver. It was just, it was, it was a call to repentance, basically. It was, it was not, it was, it was hard on the flesh to hear. And then beforehand, I was like, Lord, I do not want to do this. I would rather do it because I, I, I just knew this is going to get rough. Right. And so, uh, ministered and shared. I tell you, God is so good. People began to just repent and, and the presence of God moved in. It was, it was, it was amazing. And I tell you, it was a lot, it was one of those services, winter treat services we'll have sometimes are four and five hours sometimes. And we, we, it was probably a four, five, four and a half hour. It was long. You think it gets long here. It can get long there. Right. And we were just, just, you know, afterward I was done and, and uh, people were, were praying and talking to the Lord and, and, you know, people were, we're getting things right with God and, and um, um, just really, you know, sanctifying themselves and just uh, submitting their, consecrating their lives to him. And I tell you, it was awesome. Well, in walks in Jesus in the back of the room. And he comes in the back doors, walks right in, and stood in the back of where the chairs were and just stood there. Now, did I see him with my own eyes? I didn't see him with my own eyes, but I knew exactly where, was, where he was standing. And I knew what he was doing. It's interesting, the things of the Spirit, you, you don't, they don't always register. You can't explain them 
because you saw, you just know what was going on. And, it, and it's just as real if I had seen it with my own eyes. He was standing in the back, right behind where everybody on the, on the back, my right side. And he was smiling. He was pleased with what was going on. And I know after service, I said, did you notice anything? He said, yeah, Jesus walked in the room. And so we're like, yeah, where was, I was testing Steve. Where was he standing? I wanted to see, did you really, you know, were you, were you as spiritual as me? And, uh, and I said, so where was he standing? He said, I said, where did he come in at? Came in the back door right over there. I said, so where was he standing? Standing right here on the back. Said, okay, yeah, you saw him too. So, see, so he, he came in and stood in the back, stood in the back of the room, and, and Jesus just showed up. The Holy Spirit was there. I mean, the presence of God was was strong. Well, Jesus Himself decided to show up and spend time with us, and I knew, just like I know my name, He was standing back there and He was smiling. He was just He just came to personally be there and to share the moment with us. It was amazing. Can I, can I tell you this, that, that the things of God and what he wants to do, they're not limited to, he's not limited to prayer school. He's not limited to band practice. He's not limited to winter retreat services. And like I said, we can't, we can't manipulate God into doing anything. We can't manipulate God into doing anything. But I will say this, anytime people's hearts are submitted to him, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will always show up. He will always show up, and there'll be times where other things will happen as well. Like I said, you know, I asked the Lord, are you sure you want me to share these things? Because, you know, I don't want to think, oh, you're so spiritual, because, you know, that's got nothing to do with it. But what happened in those instances, we had groups of people that got together, and their attention was on the Lord. They had come in, and really our agenda at Winter Retreat was not for, the, for Jesus to show up. It was, it was, we were starting Winter Retreat, and I had a message, and then people moved and responded to the Spirit of God, and people were getting things settled and consecrated and, and just submitted to God. It was amazing. Well, God rewarded us. Jesus rewarded us and showed up. Well, all of those different times, we weren't trying to do anything, but other than the fact we were there to give him everything we had, we were there to go after him with everything that we had. That was our intention. And whatever he was doing, we were going to be right in the middle of it. Whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to do, that's exactly what we were going to do. Whatever he wanted to say, we were going to hear it. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to say something, but if we don't want to hear it, we can shut it down. And like I said, these things oftentimes are tied to us as a group more so than individually. When we're together, if, if we don't want to hear it as a group, we can actually shut him down and not allow him to do more things that he wants to do. There is more. I, I don't know what else to say. There's more that God wants to do. There are more things to experience. Enoch heard other people's stories, and it, it stirred him to do something for himself. I want to give you some examples tonight of some things. I've had other times personally, won't go into them, other times where the, just the presence of God was. So I remember sitting in a service with my dad. We were at one of Brother Hagee's meetings. I think it was Miami. It may have been, for, uh, uh, it might have been, it might have been in Birmingham with Scott Webb or it was Lakeland, one of those three. And, and uh, we were there. I tell you, the presence of God was just, uh, uh, was just amazing. And I can't tell you for sure what happened to my dad. I have no idea. But I know the place completely emptied and my dad had not moved a muscle still sitting right down front where he was sitting. We were there a very long time, and he, he was just lost in the Spirit. 
And after it, all he could say was, God's so good. God, God's so good. And he had been weeping and he said, God's so good. And I said, and I, and I knew I'm not going to, I shouldn't press him, you know, but, but he said, he just kept saying, God's so good. He's like, I, he just didn't know what else to do. And he's, he had to go back to his room. He couldn't even, there was no time for anything else. He just wanted to just go and take that back with him. God showed up with Adam and Eve. He's still showing up today with people. He responded to them. He responded to Enoch. He's still responding today. There's nothing special about Enoch. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about really any, any of these people. It's not about that. It's about him. The only thing special in those situations is people's hearts were, were given to him. They believed he was, believed he was a rewarder. They were seeking after him. The scripture says uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, you can look there, Matthew chapter 7. Now this is Jesus speaking, and so we, we have further reason to pursue him with everything we've got. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, the seventh verse, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Seek, and you will find. Everyone who seeks finds. This promise is just as real today as it ever has been. Draw near unto God, and he will draw near unto you. Draw near unto God, he will draw near unto you. He wants this to be a living relationship with you personally and with us as a church. And we're doing really well. And Brother Brother, uh, Morris said this when he was here, Joe Morrison here. And Amy and I have known, we've known him for quite a while. And um, he was here and... and, um, he said, you know, he said, he said, there was such unction in your church when I was there. I don't know if I think Pastor mentioned this. He said, there was such unction at your church. He's, I think he said there's only two or three places that he's been to recently where that was that kind of draw. Thank God for that. Because when people come in, that draw drew things out of him. And we're going to have him back and we'll draw other things out of him. Because anytime we come together, we have a, especially we have a guest, there, pastor, just, pastor doesn't just bring in people to bring in people. We're not just trying to, just trying to fill a calendar. I know churches that do that. They just have every so they got to have somebody, and it's kind of like, you know, spin the wheel and see who you get, and, and, or let's pick the big name or whoever's got whatever. He, he, when he feels directed to do something, that's what we do. And I know Amy and I said, yeah, we, we love Joe Morrison. So he had prayed about it, and he said he felt like the Lord told him specifically to have him come in and teach on the things he taught about. Well, Joe Morrison said, you know, your church is one of just a few that I've been around in a long time where there's such ease there and such unction to minister that, that's, we need to treasure that. We need, to, we need to protect that. There's a reason why when we have guests that come in that, that they've got freedom because we, we allow that. There's an expectation there. What, that expectation is believing God is and he's a reward. That's really what that is. He is and he's a rewarder. He sent somebody to us. God's behind it. God will reward us. So we're going to get what he has for us. But we need to make sure we're maintaining that all the time. Make sure we're maintaining it all the time where when we, when we gather together, it doesn't matter who's up here or what's going on or what the agenda is or whether we ever get to a teaching or not or, or, or it looks like this or it looks like that or, or whatever. 
but that we believe that he is and he's a rewarder to the point that we'll continue to draw. We can't manipulate God in anything, but we can create an atmosphere where he's free because we've collectively joined our hearts together. And as one, we're of one heart, one mind. The multitude might have gone on, but we're here and we want to know the answer. We're here and we want to recognize him. We're here and we want to experience him. See, if if that'll become our, our heart as a church, and I believe we're headed that direction more so. I do believe we're headed even more so in that direction, but we still have times where we're not as open as we, we could be. And I'll say this, you know, when guest ministers come through, thank God for them, but you do realize those people were not sent to this church specifically. Your pastor, Pastor Edwin, Pastor Angela, Amy and I, we've been sent specifically to, the, to this church. I've seen it happen before when in the very next week we have a guest come through and pastor gets up to minister and people are like, oh, it's just pastor again. That's not so much, that's not so much a, a, a dismissal of him as it is a dismissal of God that he is and that he's a rewarder. You do realize that, right? I'm not saying that because, you know, I'm, I'm like angry or something. I'm not. But it's something we, we, need, to, we, we need to be aware of. Something we, we need to be aware of. There's more he's wanting to do. And I do know this, anytime the Lord instructs us to talk about certain things, like I said earlier, there's an invitation and there's grace to step into those things. We will never be a place where we manufacture stuff. I know of, of ministers and, and ministries that have had different things that have gone on and, and they begin to feel pressure to continue those things and started to work stuff up. We will never do that. We will never do that. It's not, the, it's not the church we are. It's not the church we've ever been. It's not the church we'll ever be. We're not going to work stuff up. But at the same point, we're also not going to be a place that just makes it easy to just come in and do whatever. Right? Because we know there's something else. We know that Chick-fil-A is right here. That, that there, there's an exit sign with a location, and we're getting close. And, and let's, let's keep our eye on the, on the prize. Let, let's keep our attention on what we're focused on. Let, let's keep that hunger stirred up. Let's not get, stra- get distracted by the Wendy's sign. God bless you if you love Wendy's, right? My wife loves Burger King. Bless her holy name. Uh, the other day we went to Burger King, and I just did that because I love my wife, and I suffered through it. And I'm still alive. Anyway, um, you, you don't want to be, you, you don't want to, you don't want to satisfy with something else. When the Lord is showing us something and, ha- and there, he's making us something available, it's because he wants us to have those things. Now, I will say this. God wants to show up in our services. He wants to show up more. The presence of God, he, the Holy Spirit, wants to make himself known more often. And he wants all of us to be in on it. He wants every one of us to be in the middle of it. Jesus himself also wants to show up. He wants to do these things. If he's going to want to see us in heaven, he's going to want to hang out with us here. Right? Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. I think I've talked long enough. Well, that was great, Pastor Greg. I'm so glad you, you had that. No, please don't do that. I'm glad that happened to you. I, I, don't, I don't sense anything. I'm glad that happened to you. I, I usually don't sense anything. I'm glad you had those experiences, but I've never had that. Good for you, but that's not the way it's been for me. Enoch had to start somewhere. 
He had to start somewhere. Even though it hadn't happened to him, he believed it was possible. Even though he hadn't talked to God himself, he believed it was possible. Even though he had never experienced the presence of God for himself, he knew they had, he believed it was still possible. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. It's still possible. It's still available to us. The reality is the, the, the Spirit of God is here tonight with us. We do have scripture on that, that where we're gathered together, there he is. But the degree that he can make himself known really is our heart. Where is our heart at? Right? But he's always here when we're here. You know, made it a point in those experiences that I've had, those, those specific examples, it taught me some things early on to, to be looking for the presence of God, to acknowledge him, to recognize him, to treat him the way he ought to be treated, to speak to him with the right heart. I'm going to lift my hands and, 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 and praise God and worship. I don't just do it out of routine. I do it because he's here. The, the, the spirit of God is here. And, and I know that I can enter into his courts with praise and just get, you know, I, I enter into the presence of God when I, so I, I'm, I'm recognizing the fact that whether I sense it or not, I'm aware of spiritually, I'm aware of it. And I recognize and give place to the fact that, that something's happening here where I'm having an opportunity here. We can have the same thing. He's here tonight. He's here every time we gather together. You know, I believe it's 8.22. We'll stop in just a sec. I don't know if anybody else can sense right now. He's, he's, the presence of God is actually moving right now. My point is don't necessarily don't be, what's the right way to say that? Yeah, listen to your pastor, listen to what's being said, but always keep your attention out of what's he saying, what's he doing. Where's the grace of God? Where, where's the grace of God right now? What's happening right now? What's God doing at this moment? This morning I talk about living by faith. That's, that's, that's part of living by faith. In all things, you're, you're aware of him. You're recognizing him. He will respond to us. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.